2: Terms and conditions
3: apply. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few, everything you need to elevate your drive, Simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com. That's the way tire buying should be. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. A reminder: you can join us. More importantly, me, the Doug Gottlieb Show. Next Wednesday, we're going to broadcast live from the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines in beautiful, lovely San Diego, California.
1: We are farmers. Bum, bum,
3: bum, bum, bum. Uh, last night was a great night in basketball. You had uh, early. You had Kyrie putting on a performance. I think maybe not for the ages but one of the great performances this season in the NBA. I said this about Richard Sherman in his prime, and I'm going to say this about Kyrie Irving. Lots of guys talk it, but not all the guys walk it, especially after they talk it. To walk it like you talk it is some special, special stuff. Kyrie, of course, called out his teammates and then uh, after a loss to Orlando, and then had to backpedal some as he felt like he aired Dirty Laundry. He, he, he plays, I, I don't know, like, that, that's about as good as a point guard can play. He seemed to do it all. I know James Harden's stats were better. Uh, I know Steph Curry was more electric and, with all the threes that he hit in the nightcap where the Warriors outlasted the New Orleans Pelicans in their last game before they get Boogie Cousins uh, fully healthy and, and back ready to go. But man, I mean, that was some special stuff from Kyrie Irving. 27 points and 18 assists. 27 points and 18 assists. Wow. On 19 shots. Did have seven turnovers. But to to call out teammates and to to, to basically say, look, I'm the leader. Follow me. And then to play that way in that big a game. Pretty special stuff. As the Celtics end up winning 117-108 against a team that they're likely going to see in the playoffs and maybe in the Eastern Conference Finals. Here's Kyrie after the game
5: i tell you one thing, and obviously this is something that, um, it was a big deal for me because I had to uh, call Bron, you know, and tell him, like, you know, I apologize for <laughs> being that young player that wanted to everything at his, you know, at his fingertips, and I wanted everything to uh, be at... You know, my threshold, I wanted to be the guy that led us to the championship. I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be all that. And, you know, the responsibility of being the best player in the world and leading a team is something that's not meant for many people. And Brown was one of those guys that came to Cleveland and tried to really show us us what it's like to win a championship. And it was hard for him. And uh, sometimes getting the most out of the group, it's not the the easiest thing in the world.
3: Fascinating stuff, right? Like, I wanted to be my team. You came in and took over our team. And you won, and I... I kind of resented it for you. Do you guys remember one of the things that I, I shared with you before uh, Christmas time? And that uh, um, I, was, I was on a plane. This is a true story. I shared it with, if you weren't listening, it's fine. Um, I shared it with, with everyone before Christmas. I flew on a red eye to D.C. And this is in you know, late December. I did Georgetown, SMU, SMU, upset Georgetown, their own, their own home floor. And I get off the plane, it's 5.30 in the morning at Dulles Airport. And of course, you know, Ramos knows this, but Bayer doesn't. Anytime you mention Dulles to any human being, any male American over the age of 30 or 35, they think Annex Skywalk, they think Die Hard 2. Right, Ramos? Ramos is sitting there going, yeah, Annex Skywalk, right?
5: That's it. Yep. The planes can't land, Doug.
3: Go. And meanwhile, Dan Byer, who doesn't like movies and doesn't have a great... He does know Caddyshack, and he watched half of Pulp Fiction. And when I just celebrated a birthday, we were nice to him yesterday. Can't be nice to him today. Um, Byer's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But that sounds lame. It's not lame. It's it's American history. You need to know these things. kidding a little bit. Anyway. So I landed Dulles. I'm getting off a plane. And some guy goes, hey, man, uh, you know, I know it's early. I don't want to stop you, but... Um, I heard you on radio like three years ago, say something. And I, and I think it was more than three years ago, say something that really resonated with me. And he was like talking about a relationship he had in college that had gone wrong. And he'd broken up with a girl and never really talked to her again. And just out of the blue Facebook friend her and just kind of like apologized for being a jerk. And they're not like, best of friends they haven't reconciled they're both married with kids and have grown on go, and gone on to much better lives and he's like look I, I heard you say that about a relationship from your past and about how much better you felt and I did it that's what Kyrie Irving went through so Kyrie, like, I've done this I, it's incredibly therapeutic you know, to just admit what was it in Billy Madison like you're right I'm wrong you're smart, I'm stupid, you're handsome, I'm not so good looking. Right? It, it takes a lot. There's the Shakespeare quote, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And I think that's what Kyrie is learning. Everybody wants to be a leader. I talked to my son about this. I'm out of town. I'm Today I'm broadcasting the Oregon State-Arizona State game, Fox Sports 1. It's on. It's on late on the East Coast, 10 on the East Coast, 7 on the West Coast. Really good game. And then uh, Saturday for Compass Radio, uh, I have Wisconsin's home game. As I think they welcome in Michigan. I still got to figure that out. Anyway, point is, I'm going to be gone Saturday. We have a basketball game. And I said, hey, look, I'm going to have his buddy Wyatt's dad's going to coach the team. He's not really a basketball guy. So I want you to lead. I want you to kind of be a player coach. But that doesn't mean boss people around. That means you have to lead by example. If you fall down on the ground, you can't be crying. you got to get up and play defense. If you miss a shot, you can't hang your head. you got to do all these little things that everyone else is going to look up to because they know you're the best player. And everyone says they want to do it, but then when you actually have to do it, it ain't that much fun. The rewards are great. You win the championship, you get the glory, you're up there on the podium, you're the guy that gets the MVP award. All that is fun, but all the hard work and... The ability to lead and read people's emotions, and sometimes think of them as opposed to you first—like that's that's a different thing, especially for men. Women naturally, a lot of them naturally, whether it's motherly instinct or just that women are smarter and that they have greater intuition and um, emotional intelligence. Women oftentimes put others ahead of self. Guys, we're kind of we're kind of wired. We we want to be alphas, and we, we we try and embody the Kobe spirit and the Mamba mentality and just taking things over and coming in and letting our presence be known and, you know, peeing on the tree to mark your territory when you know, sometimes you got to put the feelings of others ahead of self. I, I thought that was—that's an incredible thing for Kyrie, who's had plenty of missteps in the media and said some beyond foolish things, the flat-earth thing. I don't think he meant— a literal flatter that, that he thought the earth was flat. It was more the idea of just because everyone tells you it's one thing doesn't mean you can't open your thought, mind up to the possibility of being something else. My issue with it is science is not something really that you want to challenge because science has been challenged and then proven to be a scientific fact, which is you know some, somewhere in the neighborhood of 97% of the time completely true, which scientifically is a fact. But the point, I actually understood it. But this is incredible growth. Incredible honesty. This is what we search for. When when we say we search for honesty from players to the media, a a lot of guys in my position twist that up. They think you have to be completely honest. You, You can't. Coaches cannot be. They can't. Players cannot be. They can't because you have to put the feelings of others you have to put the interest of a franchise ahead of those of um ahead of those of your own and so we we like to think of the idea of hey if you don't like a guy say it in the media if you think you're going to kick somebody's ass say it in the media if you don't like your coach say it in the media but the, there's realities to it but this is something that i I look at Kyrie Irving and I think well wow, here's a guy who I've always thought was intelligent, but now he's acting smart. Right? Now he's acting like a smart person, somebody who's learning from the mistakes of his past, somebody who's growing and evolving and admitting mistakes and asking for help. Right? Because I, I, think, I think that the immature adult or the kid thinks they can do it all on their own and they don't need help, whereas the mature kid or becoming an adult is the guy who says I can't do it by myself and I, and, and I, I, I need some help. I need some guidance. You know, this is, I thought it was great. Ramos can, I think attest to this. All those kids aren't yet as old as uh, I think my, my daughters are older, but as your kids get older, like look, you just have honest discussions with them and go like, look, you, you can do it your own way. You can learn, these things and make mistakes or you could actually listen to your parents who have gone through the exact same things now some of it is how the parents have to teach and mold their kids like you know our parents that i didn't think mine at least were as good at the normal conversations about when you kiss a girl how you ask your girl out you know uh relationships in schools like i don't remember my parents asking me about my relationships in schools and who I got along with and who was in the in crowd, who was on the out. What about my friends drove them crazy. But if you can have those conversations with your kids and then share stories uh, of your own childhood to help them. And if they're willing to listen, that shows your kids not. And lots of kids are intelligent, but can they be, can they be smart? And a smart thing to do is to ask somebody who's done what you are trying to do. Hey, you got any advice for me? And by the way, when we were together, I was kind of a jerk. So I, I thought I felt like it was a breakthrough moment or a breakthrough night for Kyrie Irving. Not just in what he said, but how he played facilitating for teammates, enjoying the success of others and learning and growing along the way. The next step, and maybe he's already accomplished. This is admitting to his teammates like, hey, look, sometimes old Kyrie comes out. Sometimes I'm a little bit selfish. Sometimes I'm a little bit immature. But but if you, you stick with me, you let me lead you,
4: we'll all end up the better because of it. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.
3: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to dot com says sports is to either Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's dot com sports, dot tireac.com, the way tire buying should be. Did you ever play the over under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat a slice of pizza in under 30 seconds or I know it'll take you over a minute to down that two-liter. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. It's super simple. First, download the DraftKings pick six app, then pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat like rebounds, points, assists, and more. Play pick six from DraftKings, the new fantasy app that packs more fun into less time. Download the DraftKings pick six app now and use the code Doug. New customers can play five bucks and get 50 in pick six credits. That's code Doug only on DraftKings pick six. The crown is yours.
1: terms at picksix.draftkings.com
3: slash promos. I'm so fired up to talk with Ed Werder, longtime NFL insider. Follow him on Twitter at Ed Werder RFA. Check out his Doomsday podcast. You want to know what's going on inside the National Football League? That's where the place where you can go uh, download and listen and get great information. He'll be covering the NFC Championship game, Rams at Saints for Westwood uh, One Radio. So he's going to be on the field interviewing people, plus getting all that information on all the other teams in the National Football League. Um, Ed, Ed, let me let me kind of start a little bit with that game. Saints-Rams. Rams Rams lost last time around, uh, but it it does feel like the Rams think they figured some stuff out at the end of the season during their bye week. What do you think they figured out?
1: Well, I I think the most remarkable thing, Doug, is that they got back to being a physical run-first football team. You know, everything in their passing game is really predicated around you know the play-action game. Jared Goff's not a drop-back passer. You want to make him a drop-back passer. Uh, you know, according to the defensive coordinators that I've talked to. And uh, obviously the first priority for every defensive coach against the Rams is to make sure you contain Todd Gurley as a rusher and a receiver. Well, that's become a little bit more difficult now because of the amazing productivity that the Rams have gotten out of that free agent that they signed for the last two games when they tried to rest Todd Gurley to get him ready for January football. You know C.J. Anderson's been an unstoppable physical force as a downhill punishing runner between the tackles, so he gives them a little bit different dimension uh, than they had the last time that they were in New Orleans. And I know even though New Orleans won that game and they scored 45 points, uh, talking to people on the team after that game, they felt there was a certain inevitability that they were going to play the Rams again if they were going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and there was also a sense of dread that they would rather play somebody else less formidable, but of course it's come down to these two teams at the end of the season.
3: Am, am I crazy, or, or does it feel like, and maybe the Cowboys game I overvalue, but I, I watched the Saints down the stretch, and I know they got home field advantage throughout. I know they just beat the Eagles. And look, if they make that 52-yard field goal, if they get a closer field goal, and Will Lutz makes that field goal, we're not talking about a drop ball. But w- without overreacting to Alshon Jeffrey dropping a ball he normally doesn't drop or the Cowboys game, it doesn't feel like they've been playing their best football. It almost feels like they're somebody who peaked and has not kind of figured out how to get it back, whereas the Rams had peaked and uh, and they hit a lull and now they have figured it out. Is that is that, a, is that fair or unfair?
1: Well, you know, I think it's interesting, and it's a good point that you make, that I don't really think the Saints have been the same team offensively uh, since that loss that they had to the Cowboys where, um, you know they they lost the game 13 to 10 on the road. The Cowboys made a real point of pressuring Drew Brees inside and uh, being physical at the line of scrimmage with the wide receivers and not allowing them to get off the field. And ever since that game in which the Saints achieved historic lows in the Sean Payton Drew Brees era, now I think that that format and that blueprint has sort of been copied. And if you look at what's happened. Uh, since week 13, that game, the Saints have averaged 19.6 points per game. So I think you're right. It does make them more vulnerable when their offense isn't scoring, you know, 35, 40 points like was close to their average. And, and Brees had seven games in which he threw three or more touchdown passes before playing the Cowboys. He's had none since. In fact, the only game in which he's only had even two touchdown passes since the Dallas game was last week against the Eagles. So uh, I think your observation is spot on.
3: On the other hand, there is something to this matchup, right? The way to beat a Wade Phillips defense is um, to attack their linebackers in the passing game, especially with the running back, and no one does that better than Todd Gurley, yeah. who does seem fresh and rested. Is there something to this matchup, though, that should make the, the Rams' defense uneasy?
1: Well, um, obviously they weren't able to stop uh, you know, Michael Thomas in the first game. He had a franchise record, 211 yards receiving. Uh, that led to the verbal jousting between Sean... Uh, Sean Payton and uh, Marcus Peters, the cornerback that they abused for most of that game. He traveled uh, with Peters or with uh, Thomas throughout that game. Uh, and afterwards, Sean Payton made the point that, hey, that, they wanted to travel him and that was fine with us. In fact, we liked that matchup. We liked it quite a bit. I talked to Sean Payton after a couple days later and he said, you should see what Michael Thomas does to him in this game. Uh, so obviously, that's a matchup they'd like to get again. The problem is, uh, obviously, they have a better cornerback now. Akeem Talib is, you know, back for the past four or five games, so he's fortified the Rams' defense. And I think if anybody travels with Thomas in this game, it's likely to be him. Uh, and Kamara, I think, is the next biggest matchup that the Rams faces. How do they stop Alvin Kamara uh, as a receiver and runner out of the backfield?
3: Um, you also, Edward, are joining us in the Doug Gottlieb show. You, you, uh, you know, you. I think you were at. You covered the Rams Cowboys game, correct? And you were there, I believe. for, yeah, for radio. That's correct. Um, what's your reaction to what Jerry Jones had to say this week where he's like, look, I think they graded out, the coaches graded out well, and if I was to fire Jason Garrett, you know, he'd have five job offers. What's what's your reaction to what Jerry had to say on Dallas Radio?
1: Well, I think there's some truth in what Jerry says about Jason Garrett being valued by other franchises, especially in a year where um, there weren't a, a plethora of outstanding coaching candidates to the point that we've seen a lot of position coaches on the offensive side of the ball, get head coaching jobs, or or that's soon to be announced, I guess. Uh, Or in the case of Cliff Kingsbury, a guy with no NFL coaching experience getting a head coaching job. Uh, So, yeah, I think Jason Garrett would have been valued and probably would have been hired by some other team. I'm not sure the number's five. Um, But I think it's also interesting that, you know, when he's engaged in a disagreement with Jimmy Johnson over who's responsible for the Cowboys winning back-to-back Super Bowls, Jerry's mindset is, hey, anyone of 500 coaches could win with this team. And then when he's talking about the value of a coach who hasn't put two winning seasons together like Garrett, his point of view is that he's too valuable to lose, and the proof is that five other teams would try to hire him. So it's an interesting philosophical change about how Jerry sees the value of a coach. Uh, Uh. I do think it's interesting to note that Garrett has not won or not made the playoffs in consecutive seasons. And I think if you're looking at it from the Cowboys' point of view, it's, okay, the Rams and the Saints are the final of the championship games in which the top four scoring teams made it for the first time in history, and the Rams averaged 33 points a game, the Saints averaged 31.5 points a game, and the Cowboys averaged 10 points a game fewer than those teams. How do they get their offense to that level?
3: And what's, and what's the answer? They're going to keep on continuing on, right? That's, that, that's the plan?
1: Well, I think it's interesting that while Jerry has indicated he's, he wants to bring Jason Garrett back, he hasn't said anything about extending his contract. He's going into his last year in 2019. I think if you look back at 2014, it's interesting that Garrett was in the exact same position. Uh, Jerry chose not to extend him, but allowed him to return to the job, and and he also did not extend um, Des Bryant or Demarco Murray. And at the end of the season, when they went 12 and four, won the division, and a playoff game, Jerry made it very clear that he felt like. That putting those people in that position uh, to where they had to prove their value in a contract year brought out the best in them competitively. So I could certainly see Jerry taking that same approach. And I wouldn't rule out uh, that they change offensive coordinators from Scott Linehan at this point, given what Jerry has said, even though Jason Garrett said he didn't expect any major uh, staff changes. I know that the Cowboys in the last 48 hours reached out to another person who got an offensive coordinator's job Elsewhere in the league, but too late. The person had already taken another job.
3: Edwarder joining us. Uh, the Doomsday Podcast is the one that you should download at uh, at Edwarder RFA is his Twitter handle. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Then the other side, old faithful, the Patriots find a way to dis- completely dismantle, frankly, dismembered the Chargers, and they give the Chiefs a rematch. Only this one is on the home field of the Chiefs. Andy Reid, of course, who's had plenty of success but also plenty of failures in championship games back in his NFC days, now has his best quarterback talent-wise he's ever had. You got young versus old, you got offense versus steadiness. There's a there's an interesting dichotomy in this matchup, isn't there?
1: Yeah, you mentioned the disparity at quarterback: Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is in his first postseason as a starter. In fact, he's the only. Uh, young quarterback in this postseason to win his his debut appearance in the playoffs last week. Everybody else lost, um, but Brady has never lost in the playoffs. He's 10-0 against an opposing quarterback in his first postseason as a starter, as is the case with Mahomes. And I think the other interesting thing is Belichick's success uh, uh, has, not, has not always been great against Andy Reid. In fact, Uh, You know, he's coached 342 games for the Patriots. Belichick has only seven times has his defense allowed more than 40 points. Three of those have come in recent seasons against Andy Reid. Um, Obviously, they have to figure out a way to stop Tyreek Hill in this game because uh, he's been a tremendous resource for the Chiefs, had phenomenal games, 75-yard touchdown in in each of the last two games he's played against them. Uh, And I think the question is, to what extent is this the game where the Chiefs really suffer the loss of Kareem Hunt, who has been such a huge factor against the Patriots in the run game and in the passing game? You know, He scored four touchdowns in two games and had over 400 yards uh, in two games. So that's, that'll be a significant loss for the Chiefs to try to fill with Damian Williams.
3: What's the most surprising hiring? You and talk, talking to NFL people, what's the most surprising hiring so far in the NFL?
1: Uh, I think, without a doubt, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, who who failed as a as a college coach at Texas Tech and was was fired there and didn't have success, even though he had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Uh, obviously, Coach Baker Mayfield there as well. Uh, he did have good offensive teams; they did produce points, but they did not win. Uh, so for him, without any real NFL history beyond being drafted in the sixth round and and being a backup quarterback briefly for Belichick and the Patriots. He has no real NFL affiliation, uh, and therefore was going to be you know, challenging for, for Steve Kime, the GM, to put together a quality coaching staff for him. Uh, but just a, pl- uh, just a former player who failed in college as a major college coach, uh, getting a head coaching opportunity with zero experience in the league. Hmm.
3: Uh, what is the hire that most people are nodding their heads that they believe is most likely to work?
1: I think Bruce Arians in Tampa, uh, given you know the, his history with uh, with quarterbacks from Ben Roethlisberger to Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and now in you know inheriting Jameis Winston at a pivotal point in his career, and uh, you know giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, he's obviously had great success with Carson Palmer late in his career in Arizona. So uh, I think a lot of people feel good about that, especially since Todd Bowles is, again, his defensive coordinator. Uh, they coached those Cardinals teams to the NFC Championship game not so many years ago.
3: I agree with you. I, I, well, I agree with that, that. That that one all makes sense to me. Makes a ton of sense in what they're putting around Jameis and Jameis' resemblance to Ben Roethlisberger on and off the field early in Ben Roethlisberger's career. going to be fascinating to see. Ed, uh, safe travels to NOLA. I know you'll eat well, plus that place will be loud, <laughs> and you'll be down the field. Can't wait to, to hear the interviews you have. Thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Thanks,
3: Doug. We're forward to talking to you next week. All right, it's Ed Werder, NFL Insider, at Ed Werder RFA. Check out his doomsday.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Did
3: you guys see Andrew Whitworth last weekend when they won the game? They beat the Cowboys hard-fought game offensive line, which, of course, he, uh, mans was a, was a big part of the story. And then all his kids come and surround him. You realize, like, oh, my God, that's the first playoff game he's ever won. Great player, great dude, and now gets chance to at least for that time celebrate the moment as he now gets ready for the Saints. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. What was that moment like to all of the hard work has now at least paid off with one playoff win?
5: Uh, you know, it was an awesome moment. I mean time as a team, every year you set out with goals, um, to be, you know, one of the best teams in the league and, and have an opportunity to play in the playoffs and then have the opportunity to move forward in the playoffs. So, honestly, just for this team and this year, it was a great moment to to have that accomplishment. You know, I put every year kind of its own. And uh, it was just awesome to be a part of this group and, and to make that happen. Um,
3: what was what was going on with you guys? Because, look, if you watch the Rams, and we watch every game, if you watch the Rams, your offensive line was dominant, given Jared Goff time. It wasn't just Gurley. It was your guys' ability to give him time. And when he had time... He's a very good quarterback, but he was under duress during times You know, later on in the season. The Bears game, obviously, was cold, and that's a good defense. Lions game, he wasn't great. What did you guys up front have to fix that helped Jared play better and, of course, has helped C.J. and Gurley play better as well?
5: Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'd say that we played really good in this game, but uh, really looking throughout the year, uh, you know, I honestly think that a lot of people just continue to show how much ball they know. If you watch our season, we're top five in rushing and passing. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've seen this through a lot of the O-line guys. It's just its a funny to even hear people think that it's... You know our group that's struggling. I mean, the reality is, when you throw the ball 50 times in a game and you're losing, uh, you create a world where you start to make that as the issue. And the truth is, yeah, you got to play better. You got to hold guys out. But you know, the truth is, it's a, in every game. It comes down to everybody. All of us got to play well. And uh, we thought this week really what it really came down to is not our group just playing well, but really all 11 and, and everybody played well. And, and uh, we look like a team that you know finally got a little bit of a rest and got healthy. And, Played really well. We, we feel good about it. But uh, like I said, I, I think uh, you know this season. You go look at the film. This group has played really well, and we've uh, done a tremendous job. And you know what? There's going to be lulls in a season, but uh, we feel great about our play all year. Uh,
3: CJ's been an unbelievable addition, right? I mean, the thought was Gurley was a little bit banged up. Wanted to give him a little bit of rest. Maybe you just use him for a couple weeks, and then uh, it's become a dynamic one too. What's that like to have a guy who was he was on the street a couple weeks ago? now playing so well in a playoff game?
5: Uh, I think uh, it shows you just really, you know, the caliber of player he is and, and the ability to just stay locked in to you know, what he didn't know if his season was over. He didn't know really what's next. Just a great testament to guys that are out there looking for an opportunity, man, that you just got to be ready when you get your chance. And, and he's done nothing but show what a great player he is and, and help us, uh, you know, win football games. And so I think that's uh, it's an awesome testament to him. It's an awesome testament to our staff and, and our group. I mean, you know, anytime you you get somebody like that that comes in and immediately has success, I mean, it says a lot about what's going on up front and and also in our offensive uh, system. So I mean, you know, I mean, it takes both parts. It's a great job by CJ, and it's a great by a lot of great by a lot of guys making things happen.
3: He's a three time All Pro. He's Andrew Whitworth. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. You mentioned the film. Would the film show you about the last time you took on the Saints?
5: Uh, you know, I thought a game that really, you know, in certain parts of it, we played really good and, and uh, then just had a couple walls where we didn't, you know, maybe score or, or move the ball as well as we could have at certain points in the game. But, wow, what I mean, what a second half to come back in and, and that game. There's not many teams that come back from stuff like that and just usually shut her down and move on. But, you know what, uh, what a way to fight back in that game and get it back tied And have an opportunity to go and try and win it, and just weren't able to come up with the play. And you know, I think it's something we really walked away from that game. I think it helped us to grow. I mean, it really was a game that I felt as a team was one of those moments where, as a team, we grew together and really realized how much we all got to be accountable to one another, of needing each other that full sixty minutes. And uh, I think that's one of those things that we look back on our season. That was a game our team grew and matured.
3: What is it about you? Like all your big games in your life seem to go through the Superdome, right? Like this, like you got to go back home and play in the Superdome. Like, well, you know what? That just that actually makes to- makes total total sense for Andrew Whitworth.
5: You know what? That's a special building, man. I love that place, and, and I've had a lot of special moments there. You know, um, uh, you know, win, lose, or draw. Every opportunity I've had to play there has been amazing. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I uh, like I've said before, that place will always. Hold a special place in my heart for my athletic career, and what an opportunity this week! And, and uh, we'll go down there, and, and two of the best teams in the league we will go at it, and we'll see what happens.
3: Andrew Whitworth joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Be as uh, as honest as you can. I know you haven't experienced the NFC Championship game, but you just experienced the playoffs. I think sometimes fans think all these things are circling through your mind: the possibilities of the future. When you're playing, do you think about the ramifications or do you just think about next play? What honestly goes through your mind when you're focusing on a big moment?
5: Well, I think throughout the week, obviously you you're working really hard and training to win this game and I, I mean, I would hope that you're dreaming about the opportunity to win it, move on and play in the Super Bowl and win that. I mean, all the things ahead of you, but you know, your focus is really on the week. And, and, and so, yeah, in your low moments when you're not studying film, when you're not doing that, I mean, that's hopefully what you're dreaming about because that should be what's pushing the passion to succeed. And so, yeah, there's thoughts about it, but, um, once the, you know, really you get to Saturday and traveling and stuff, it all becomes the game and really the only thing you're thinking about is each play and in it's individual moment. Um, and, and that's really all you can focus on because it's going to take one play at a time to win that game. And so, um, really for 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 athletes i think guys in those moments it's like once you're in the moment that's the only thing you're worried about how
3: much greater is the level of intensity at this level than what you've played previously
5: as far as college or like playoff? no no,
3: as far as playing the pro, like like look, dude, you've played at the at the highest level of regular season football. But everyone says, and basketball is the same, baseball is the same. Like look, playoff intensity is different. It wasn't your first playoff game this this last week? It wasn't your first playoff game previously. But how much different is the level now that we creep up into more important games? Is it a different kind of football? A different well, level? I, of I think it
5: really comes down to you know if you look throughout the season, people always talk about the margins are so close, right? I mean, every team, good or bad, is. Is uh, you know a couple plays away from winning a game. Well, I think when you realize you're in the playoffs, it's the final twelve. It's uh, all those teams are really, really good, and now the margin just got even smaller. Now, now there's like man, it could be a play uh, that dictates the game, you know, or a couple. So it's it's one of those things where once you're playing really good football teams that are just as good as you have just as good schemes and talent and all that man, it just comes down to every little second and moment of the game. And uh, I think that's why people love to watch it so much. It can change so fast. And and really that intensity and passion is just so real is because, you know, every single moment of that game could be huge.
3: Yeah, no part of you wants to play in Kansas City this week with that cold, right? Like that is – I I know big offensive line, like, look, I'm okay with it. I'm working anyway. But being in the Dome seems – even as loud as it is and as hard as it is to hear the snap count, feels like that's a much better environment than playing that cold in Kansas City, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, I mean, I would argue, too, though, it's kind of similar to thinking about the future. It's, honestly, for us, we're, once we're in the game, it's the game. I mean, I've played playing in Cincinnati for 11 years. I've played in plenty of really cold environments and games. And, and uh, you know, once you're out there, honestly, it's just that's the last thing you're thinking about. And, uh, you know, I think that it's really something, you know, more that then, especially in this moment, is intense and as, as hot and as this uh, playoff matchup will be, I don't, I don't think those guys will think one thing about the cold as soon as the game kicks off.
3: That's nah, going to be awesome. Well, listen, we wish you safe travels, the best of luck, continued health, and a massive amount of respect. Congrats on getting that first playoff win. Hopefully, you get a second one. Appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Hey, thank you all so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that's
2: Andrew Whitworth of the LA.